0: Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. And
1: Andrea is off tonight. Back tomorrow night. This is Brian Maloney filling in on the Answer San Diego for Andrea K. 1170 If you'd like to join us. We're going to be delving into as much as I can possibly cram into this hour tonight because the news cycle is overwhelming. And if you're like me, you're thinking, you know, I'm hoping to have kind of a peaceful holiday, maybe relax a little bit, get the blood pressure down. And I'm afraid I don't think that's going to happen this year because we are faced with one impossible situation after another. And it's not just about making our collective blood boil. Uh, It is also about thinking about the unraveling of America, which is exactly what's happening in front of us. And what happened in Waukesha is exactly, is exactly uh, the epitome of the situation that we're in right now. We are looking at a The fabric of society is unraveling, and there is nobody home upstairs. And when I say upstairs, I'm right at Washington. Uh, Nobody is home where the leaders are supposed to reside. And what I find fascinating about this is that, I mean, the poll numbers drop by the day. uh, And it's not just the overall approval rating of Biden that is sinking. He basically just has, at this point, the support of a core group of, of left-wing Democrats. He's lost most of the independents and didn't have the Republicans, no surprise, there. But when you lose the independents, it's a really big group of people who live in the suburbs and they mostly in past elections have, you know, fear toward Democrats for the most part. Now, every survey, even the most liberal surveys you can find, uh, are, are, they can't even find good news uh, for this white house regime they can't find i mean they they pull people on on individual issues like immigration uh you go down the list law and order uh inflation is the one that's just driving americans mad right now i mean that is coming up in every survey uh the the most important consideration because if you've been in a store recently like i have uh, not only are stores missing a lot of items that we ordinarily would expect to find but when you do see them uh, the prices are crazy, and this is even in a place like Walmart. I mean, we're not talking about your neighborhood specialty grocer. I'm talking about the discount stores, and even there, the prices are just.
2: And you know what you see, uh, Brian? Was, you see a lot of these yeah. uh, stores, you'll, and you'll go in and visit to visit. The prices up every single time.
1: Well, and I don't. Yeah, they are, and the produce prices lately have been absolutely, absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, it, to, to the point where, you know, like, I you know, I can't pay. for that tomato. I'm sorry. Um, And, you know, these are not exaggerations and you have, you know, you have social media of Silicon Valley trying to slap warning labels every time somebody complains about the price of something and say, Oh no, the turkeys aren't that expensive. You're making that up. It's like, well, you know, I don't, if you guys, have you guys been shopping? I don't think so. One triple eight three four four eleven seventy. Here on the K Acacia with Brian Maloney on the Answer San Diego. So we are going to have an incredible guest coming at the bottom of the hour. This guy, this is a real, uh, a real plum uh, guest to have tonight, Todd McMurtry. He is one of the attorneys that was involved with the Nicholas Sandman case and the settlement that, as you may know, a very, very large settlement, which the dollar amount was never disclosed. I do see people throwing around dollar amounts all the time, and I'm pretty sure that number was never disclosed. But he is going to be talking about not only because the Sandman case is back in the news again because of the connections to Kyle Rittenhouse and not that there are any direct connections, just the idea of being essentially slandered, um, and what kind of recourse does a person have, and what kind of recourse does Kyle Rittenhouse have now that he has been found not guilty on all counts? So I've been seeing a lot of people—you probably have too—on social media debating what kind of suits that uh, that Rittenhouse might be able to file. Could he potentially file one against uh, Joe Biden? You know, We'll ask him, because I certainly am not the legal expert that could tell you one way. I'm sure you could follow one. I don't know if it would get anywhere. But let's find out from him at the bottom of the hour uh, whether, whether something like that would have a chance. And I, I guess the argument that's made is that because uh, Biden called him a white supremacist, which there's no basis for that at all, uh, as we've found out, the, uh, you know, because of, of that, because Biden at the time was a candidate for president and not the president at the time, the immunity idea does not work it does not fly there. But at the same time, the other side of the argument is that Kyle Rittenhouse was a public person or a public figure, and then that means that the New York Times versus Sullivan case kicks in, which, which makes it very, very hard to sue if you're considered a public person. If you're if you're considered in the spotlight, my argument on that one would be Kyle. Nobody knew who Kyle was before that night. Uh, You know, and he didn't. He wasn't trying to become famous, so I'd like to know what Todd McMurtry has to say about that when we get to the bottom of the hour. So we've got a lot of other things. If you'd like to call in about 1-888-344-1170, this is the kind of day where the news cycle is overwhelming in a way that is very difficult, as I mentioned, at the top of the hour. And one of the ways that it is extremely, extremely difficult disturbing is to see the details of the waukesha uh, massacre and there's no other word to use for and the media on this has been the i mean the the gymnastics they've been trying to uh conduct here the mental gymnastics to try to downplay this and whitewash this situation i mean and it's not fooling anyone this is the problem i saw someone tweet about this today i said you know it's like the left controls the media. They control Hollywood. They have the universities. They have the government, and yet they still can't convince anyone of their positions. What do they have left? Uh, they fight all their cards, and uh, the numbers look bleak for them. So I don't know what else they could try to pull. But the more they dig in their heels in these kinds of stories, uh, the the more that the more the public is against them. But first, they're either oblivious or they don't care. Um, I I can't figure them out for the life of me because I've never actually seen an administration do this before. Usually you respond to poll numbers that are sitting faster than the Titanic by making changes. So what I have posted on the Red Wave America page on Facebook a few minutes ago is the affidavit for probable cause. Uh this is the state of Wisconsin versus Daryl E. Brooks. And I posted some of the pages of this that have been made available for you to look at at Red Wave America on Facebook. So what you could see, some of the details on here, we're just finding out for the first time. One is that there are 62 total victims, which is a larger number than the media has ever reported. I hadn't heard a number above 50. So 62 is is a lot more. There's also details in here about that there's no way this was an accident in any way, that he was zigging and zagging, turning his wheel to hit as many pedestrians as humanly possible. This was absolutely intentional. There's no question about this anymore. Um, You know, and, and the guy, I mean... So for the media to say he was fleeing some other crime scene or something, that makes it okay. But I mean, there's no truth to any of the theories that they've been throwing out there. This was an intentional act of terrorism. And it changes the way uh, we are all going to have to function as Americans from here on out because there are going to be copycats. There are going to be people who see this and see the way it's celebrated by some very sick people in our society. And they're going to want to be the next one to do it. And they're going to see how, and the the guy gets out on, you know, potentially gets out on bail. Uh, And there are some tweets on that. I'm going to get to uh, in a minute that are, that are, very good points that have been made. Uh, like I said, we have room to get you in um, before we go to our guest at the bottom of the hour. So it's one 1170 Brian,
2: and if you can believe Three it or four not, four like I was, you know, just yeah. astounded at some of the headlines today and Jen Psaki came out and is refusing to retract Biden's characterizations. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse still labeled as a white supremacist. I, 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 I'm sickened.
1: Well, I think that might be a legal maneuver of some kind, because I think that if, and we'll we'll certainly ask uh, Attorney McMurtry uh, at the bottom of the hour about this, but I think that maybe the thought in the White House was that if he backed off and changed that view, it might make him more legally susceptible. Um, I I mean, I can't say this for sure. I saw more than one person throw that out as a theory, but I mean, maybe they're just in a, a... impossible situation it's something that biden should not have said last year it was probably something that was tweeted out by you know one of his aides i don't think he's doing any of his own tweeting so bottom line there is and maybe there is legal liability so but the details there if you see what i posted there at red wave america Uh, You will see the details and you will be I'm sure you're already convinced that this was an act of terror and no accident. Uh, But when you see what has been, you know, what has been reported here versus what the media is saying, you'll see that it's two entirely different situations. I want to mention something else that we're going to talk about tonight. Like I said, we're cramming so much. You know, you think things would be slow going into Thanksgiving and they're not. Uh, but I want to talk about Biden's release of 50 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So a 50 million release. So we use 20 million a day. So that was two and a half, if it turns out to be 50, by the way, I heard somebody say it could end up being 100 million. So we use, we use 20 million a day. And by the way, our Secretary of Energy, the former governor of Michigan, Jennifer Granholm, did not know that number. The reporter asked her, how many, how many do we use per day? I, she did not. I have to look that up. Uh, I mean, you know, that's your job, lady. You should know this. I mean, you should know. So the bottom line is, when this release was announced, the obvious hope by the White House was to get oil prices to sink on the news because you're releasing a lot of oil, right? Nope. Nope. It was laughed off by oil traders, and oil started surging higher. So this has been completely counterproductive. The reason why it started surging higher was the traders said, this isn't enough oil to make a difference, and you've kind of blown your wad here. And, and, and by the way, the one interesting point I got to add in there is that during the Trump administration, by the way, these are the same people Biden and Jen and company were trashing Trump for adding to that strategic petroleum reserve at the time. Those are the same barrels that are now being released by Biden. So this is the, this is the ridiculous situation that we find ourselves in. You shut down the pipelines, right? You shut down the pipeline, and then gas prices surge to a level that no one can afford. I mean, it's certainly that way in California um, and other parts of the country more and more. And then you see the answer to that as releasing our, our emergency reserve. None of this makes a lick of sense to the average American. And that's why the poll numbers go down and down and down and down
2: pretty soon. It's going to be
1: really hard to find a supporter of this guy pretty soon. It really is.
2: Brian, anyway, I'll, I'll ask you a question that I've thought about recently yeah. um, because my answer, I believe, is what yours is going to be. Do you think they even care about poll numbers? Because I really don't think they do.
1: No, they don't seem to, which is really unusual. And I know I know what the listener is saying right now. Yeah, because they'll just cheat next year or whatever. But the problem is, you know, it's a lot harder to rig 435 house races uh, across the country, including many in places where, you know, they don't have their operatives yet. Um, you know, you can't. They don't have people in every single county and every single place. So that's the problem for them. I mean, they're certainly going to lose the House. They already know that maybe, maybe that's what it is. We know we're going to lose Congress next year, so we're going to ram through as much as we can this year. The problem is, the more they do that, uh, the more the chances of a complete blowout election next year. I mean, you know, people say, oh, well, how many you know seats could Republicans pick up? You know, not the Republicans have done much to, to earn this. They really haven't. They're just sitting on their duffs, really. I mean, we we all know this. We're all sick of that. Um, and we got a bunch of, you know, Kevin McCarthy non-leaders in there.
2: Yeah, the more uh, I talk but, to, you know, a, a lot of the independents that did vote for Biden, they're disgusted and they're probably going to vote the other way come the next election and in the midterms.
1: Well, and that's just it. And McCarthy and Mitch McConnell know they can just sit around and and do nothing and win the election next year because that's what's going to happen. But this, you know, there could be a hundred seat surge for Republicans. You're going to see Republicans elected next November in places you never thought possible. We already know this because we saw it this year in what almost happened and did happen in new jersey i mean almost had a republican upset for governor and you had the state senate president longtime democrat
2: leader and that big win in like, virginia
1: well and and also the yeah the complete removal of virginia as a blue state which is now if not a red state at least now purple again so that's that's the bottom line there total flipping of virginia all right 888-344-1170. So much more ahead. We'd love to have you join us and guest Todd McMurtry coming up here on the Andrea K Show. Brian Loney filling in on the Answer San Diego.
0: Get more from the Andrea K Show at ourfreenation.org. Just search Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Andrea K, Kay, the Donut Queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego.
1: And the media is in overdrive, trying to figure out how to minimize and make the Waukesha massacre go away. Details coming out showing that this guy he not only zigged and zagged as many people as possible, elderly people, children, um, but he actually stopped at one point and then started again. So this whole like out of control motorist narrative is, is absolutely false. And we're this is right out of the affidavit. Uh, so this is the Andrea K show with Brian Maloney filling in on the answer. San Diego 888 344-1170. Todd McMurtry will be our guest in a few minutes. He was one of Nicholas Sandman's lawyers and he is going to give us the goods on what kind of legal uh, you know, what's going to happen with Kyle Rittenhouse and any lawsuits that are filed. So we're going to get his expert take, and I'm going to wonder if maybe he ends up uh, representing Kyle. He may well, so we'll see. But you know, if you really want to talk about what people are buzzing about today, I mean, and this, this I mentioned inflation uh, before the break. I mentioned that the inflation numbers are consistently showing up in polls as. One of the most important issues, people can't afford things anymore. They can't afford life anymore. Everything is out of reach. Housing, food, gasoline, buying an automobile, forget it. Buying appliances, buying a washer and dryer. Have you seen the prices lately? So today, uh, Dollar Tree announces that it is hiking prices for the first time ever. Everything will not cost a dollar anymore. Everything will now cost, or most everything will cost $1.25. So it'll be a dollar and a quarter tree. Somebody was joking. They might as well change the name that hits people. Uh, I didn't know this until today, but Dollar Tree is not actually aimed at uh, poor people. I didn't realize this. The the other chains. So these, uh, these companies, they own several of the chains. And I can't, I remember seeing the Dollar Tree, The, the company also owns, I don't know if it's Dollar General, one of the other ones anyway. So, so Dollar Tree is actually aimed at a target market of middle class people, mostly in suburbs um, unlike unlike the other ones. so again, this is a middle class that is being decimated in every way, shape, or form, uh, seeing uh, you know right in front of them. you mean all the junk I buy at the dollar store will now be a dollar and a quarter that 's really weird. But yeah, that's the truth. Those prices have been held under a dollar since the chain was founded back in the I guess early nineteen nineties. So as chain's been around for decades, it's always kept it under a dollar. Now, you know, you might say, well that just sounds silly or whatever, but you know, to people, that really affects purchase decisions and it puts a damper, a further damper on the economy like we, we need any more right now. All right, so what we will have coming up is, and I'm really excited about this, is that interview with Todd McMurtry, who was Nicholas Sandman's, one of his attorneys, and is going to give us the scoop on what happens with Kyle Rittenhouse from here. Because I'm hearing a lot of different theories about what might happen, uh, and you know, I haven't heard the expert opinion that could tell me what kind of chance Kyle has against, say, Biden or against networks. CNN, uh, so we're going to get to the bottom of that coming up and also take your calls later in the hour, 1-888-344-1170 it's 1-888-344-1170 It's the Andrea K. Show with Brian Maloney filling in on The Answer San Diego
0: Get more from the Andrea K. Show at OurFreeNation.org
2: Just search Andrea K. Kay,
0: spelled K-A-Y-E
2: Andrea K telling you like it is all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego.
1: This is the Andrea K Show with Brian Maloney filling in tonight. Andrea back tomorrow for taking your calls at one 888 We're going to be delving into a number of other topics later in the hour, including uh, doubling down on the vaccine mandate for private employers we'll talk more about this strategic petroleum reserve release that backfired badly in the white house today and made a kind of a laughing stock with the oil market just turned around and said that's all uh, and oil prices went up so we'll be getting into all of that but first we have and i'm just thrilled about this we have attorney todd mcmurtry uh, who was one of Nicholas Sandman's attorneys? We're going to talk to him about the situation with Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, Mercury is an experienced trial attorney, Harvard trained mediator. He's recognized as, in 2019 as uh, one of the top 50 super lawyers in Kentucky uh, and practices in other places as well. So, uh, Todd, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to the Andrea K show with Brian Maloney filling in. Thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, we are all extremely curious. Now, the first question I want to get out of the way with you, though, is something I see people throwing around numbers all the time about what that Sandman uh, settlement was with CNN. And people tweet out, well, it was $250 million or something like that. And I thought that the numbers were kept confidential and that that has never been publicly released. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's correct. It's confidential, and uh, we really have agreed with the parties that we settled with not to comment on on it or try to characterize it in any way.
1: Is that a permanent agreement, or is there an
3: expiration on that? That's a permanent agreement, although you will see, you know, it, we still have six defendants. There's still uh, six cases, and as those cases move forward, and that's, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, the In newspapers and Rolling Stone magazine, so six pretty big defendants. Uh, Some of those defendants are going to go to trial, and a jury in uh, here in Kentucky will have an opportunity to see or to to voice their opinion about what those uh, news organizations did to Nicholas Sandman. So, do you still represent Nicholas Sandman? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm currently engaged. yeah. Yeah. We're currently working on all those cases and, um, you know, it's, it's an everyday part of my life, uh, dealing, dealing with that. These are, these are fairly significant cases, you know, from a time and commitment standpoint. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of what I do every day.
1: All right. So, so were you, uh, on board the legal team from the beginning? Did you work with Lynn Wood on this from the beginning?
3: No, I was, the Sandmans contacted me, uh you know, right out of the gate. And I had not done uh, defamation work before. So I I brought in Lynn uh, to help out.
1: I see. So Lynn came in second because there's been some controversy uh, about Lynn this week and the Republicans and some other, you know, it's kind of a side issue, but his name's been out there this week and might be too much of a tangent to bring up now too much. But so the bottom line is, You still represent Nicholas Sandman. There are multiple suits still pending against numerous networks even though it was settled with CNN. There could be other other settlements coming. So why don't we talk because this is absolutely critical. What are the key similarities between the Nicholas Sandman case where you know which essentially started at the Capitol where he was just a student visiting there I believe uh, and Kyle Rittenhouse in terms of defamation, because one of the things people say is, well, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse was a public person, therefore the New York Times versus Sullivan uh, case applies, and you have to prove actual malice, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how are you going to do that against A, B, and C uh, as, as defendants? So, can you tell us a little bit about the strategy there and what? Rittenhouse's chances might be, especially people have talked about him suing Biden personally, and I wonder how feasible or realistic
3: that is. Okay. Well, that's that's a that's a big question. I just want to first be clear to all your listeners, I, I do not represent Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, uh, sure. Fox News call, called me up last week and asked me to comment, and that led, one thing led to another, and other people have asked me to comment. So I'm just offering my opinion coming from a similar you know circumstance in representing Nicholas Sandman you know throughout his cases so you know right. the, the key similarities between these these two people are they were both under the age of 18 when this occurred they were both private figures you know the, the you don't need to prove actual malice at the time that this occurred um, they were both you know relentlessly attacked by the media To the point of distraction, I mean, you know, just complete set of, as as everybody knows, both these cases are full of media, you know, uh, the media trying to set a, 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 you know, frame the issue in a particular way and go with a particular narrative and and try to make everybody believe Nick Sandman, you know, MAGA hat, racist, pro-life Catholic, you know, bad guy. And Kyle Rittenhouse, you know uh white supremacist uh, militia member, so those those things are are false um and and those are the main similarities now with regard to these lawsuits if if and I know Kyle has i think he said on Fox News he has attorneys, I don't know who those are, but you know I'm sure he's got his pick of the letter so he can choose whomever he wants to represent him on these defamation cases and um you know so i'm sure he's got talented people that are looking at this so i'm just speculating you know as to what might be done but if if you if you look at his situation is he a private figure or is he a what you would call a limited purpose public figure? You know, by getting famous, if you get famous in the situation that, that causes you, you know, all of the all the pain and suffering like Nicholas Sanding right. did, that doesn't turn you into a public figure, right? But there's this idea of thrusting yourself into the controversy, which can kind of convert you over to a public figure. And I'm sure that the defendants in this case will argue that Kyle Rittenhouse you know, by going to Kenosha and being involved in, in that in that riot and the defensive capacity that he was, that he thrust himself into the controversy. I don't think that's a good argument. I think ultimately, Kyle's going to be a private figure and he's going to be able to maintain a a private figure status, which means he does not have to prove actual malice. He only needs to prove negligence. Now, there are if you want me to keep going, if you want to ask a question, just tell me to stop. Okay. Oh, no, no, no,
1: no, no, I'm just listening because okay. uh, the thing is there's been so much speculation about this and you've really gone into the heart of the question because I keep seeing the media say, and the media in particular, but others do, oh, he won't get, you know, Kyle won't get anywhere in any of these civil suits because uh, he is a public person and I'm saying, well, wait, he only became one because of that night. So you're saying that so you're thrust, right. If okay. you thrust yourself into the spotlight, but Hunt of rioters were there that night. They didn't become famous because they weren't featured on the news. I don't think Kyle went there that night thinking that anyone would know who he was the next day. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. think Kyle went there that night thinking I'll be world famous tomorrow.
3: Yeah, that's that's I, I you know, that's kind of what I said. I agree with you. I think you're, you're right. So so for him to proceed with these cases, that'll be, you know, an issue that they will raise. Uh, the, the main thing, though, is you know were there defamatory statements made about him, and and most of these statements are you know a lot of them are that he's a white supremacist, and then when you combine that with the fact that he was you know at at Kenosha and they're alleging he's there as a as a you know as a vigilante, then that suggests what lawyers call racist misconduct so you can call somebody and say you know joe is a he, he's a he's a racist i just can't stand that guy and and that's just name calling you can't sue somebody for that in most circumstances but if you say joe is a is a is a racist and i know he fired three people at his company because they were you know uh, a minority right. of some type then that's racist misconduct and if that's false and it's actionable. So when you turn to the issue of President Biden, who was a candidate at the time on November—excuse me, on September 30th of 2020—in the heat of the election, he, after a debate with then President Trump, he issued a tweet. and that tweet, said, um, "You know, President uh, Trump refuses to disavow white supremacists." And then there was a picture of Kyle and a video that was attached to that. So you you see Kyle with a. a Carrying an AR 15, and then you see candidate Biden calling him a white supremacist, and that suggests racist misconduct, which makes it actionable. So I think that, um, you know, attorneys could certainly disagree on that issue, but in my view, I've, you know, I've done the research and looked into this, I do think that uh, he, he has a viable claim against now sitting President Biden. Right. And but how
1: do you sue a sitting president, though, even if it's for behavior that occurred before he was president? How do you do it?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of people who have it wrong who are saying, well, you you can't sue him because he's in office. That's not true. You can't sue a president for his conduct as president, but for his private conduct, especially before he he became president, certainly subject to suit just like you and I are. So uh, there was a a case back in the 90s where Paula Jones sued uh, then-President Bill Clinton, and the court said, you know, no person is above the law. And even including a president can be held to account for his private actions. And uh, so they let that case go forward. Ultimately, you know, as well, uh, President Trump was sued uh, uh, in office for defamation, and uh, that case went forward. Ultimately, the plaintiff dropped the case for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, But the courts allowed that case to proceed while he was president. Now, there were various appeals and so forth, but I I think that the, the 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 net result's going to be that that case would proceed against the president while in office.
1: Now, let me ask you, because Jen Psaki was asked about this today, you know, does Biden now disavow that comment labeling Kyle, or that tweet labeling Kyle Rittenhouse uh, a a white supremacist? And, you know, she said, no, he stands by it. What do you think? Do you think there was a legal motive behind that today or a political one? Do you think that this is, Biden's way of you know not admitting guilt the first time around,
3: yeah, absolutely, you know his they're saying you know to him, look, we can probably beat this if we get the right judge, depending upon where they sue, et cetera, et cetera, um so it's that that strikes me to be a political move. There is nothing uh that he gains by saying I stand by my comments from a legal standpoint. Okay.
1: When you sue the sitting president of the United States for behavior that he you know, his conduct before he went into office, where's the what is the venue? I mean, where is the court that hears that case? In Washington, DC? Because I wouldn't want to have my case heard there or is it somewhere else?
3: Generally it's where the the injury occurs, so it would be in ah. in Illinois or Wisconsin. Really?
1: But I mean you couldn't expect uh, Biden to to show up in Wisconsin uh, and and argue his side of it, and I'm I'm that's point number one. I'd like to to address that. But also the other point is I'm waiting for them to say, well, you know, Biden doesn't write his own choice. This was written by an aide or
3: something like that, or um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you, do you think they're going <laughs> to try to? There's a lot of. it? In, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, you get into a lot of speculation and complexity, and and those those things will just have to come out. But you know. If somebody puts their name on a tweet and it goes out under their campaign account, you know, I I think they own it. So I think it's going to be hard to say I I didn't do that, Um, you know, but well, they never tried to remove the tweet. tweet. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they never took that tweet down. So they didn't disavow it and they still stand by it now.
3: Um, That's that's what I understand. Yes.
1: So people are talking about the. You know, are you able to hold over actually for a few minutes? Because we've got enough. I don't know if you have to run.
3: Do you have a few more minutes to be with us? I've got to. I've got to be someplace at ten, or at my my time, Eastern time. Yeah. Okay. So well, we would just need a few more minutes with you, and
1: that would sure. be wonderful, if uh, possible. Yeah. So our That's guest, is Todd Mc. McMur- oh, thank you so much, Todd McMurtry. We're going to ask him a little bit more about the difference and similarities between the Nicholas Sandman case and any civil. Filed by Kyle Rittenhouse uh, because this is the, what everybody's talking about right now. Well, one of the things anyway. 1 888 344 It is Brian Maloney filling in for Andrea Kay on the Answer San Diego.
0: The Andrea Kay Show, strictly adhering to and preserving our First Amendment. Follow Andrea on ourfreenation.org. Just search Andrea Kay, spelled K A Y E.
2: You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego.
1: And Andrea Kay is off tonight. It's Brian Maloney filling in on The Answer San Diego. one Our guest who was kind enough to hold over with us, which, is, which we really appreciate because he's a very, very busy man, Attorney Todd McMurtry, who was and is uh, one of Nicholas Sandman's attorneys, and we've been talking about the similarities between the Sandman case and that of Kyle Rittenhouse, and we'll continue to talk about that. But I also want to, Todd, I want to ask you about the Waukesha uh, massacre, because I want to know we're talking about a, a district attorney uh, who Milwaukee County District Attorney John Ch- uh, Chisholm elected in 2007. Spent his career supporting cash bail system reform because he argues it criminalizes poverty. All right. So now we have as a result of this, uh, because remember, I mean, he was accused of previous crimes days earlier. In fact, running over a lady, same thing. Daryl Brooks, this guy. So I'm wondering from your standpoint, first of all, how you feel about Chiz Holmes approach to this but second what kinds of suits could potentially be filed i realize that might sound like a premature topic we've got you know 62 victims we've got people in the hospital the whole thing is 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 horrendous but what what could come of this i mean where do you think that might go on a civil on a civil level
3: well you know generally speaking there are not civil claims against prosecutors for decisions that they make as prosecutors in office so Um, You know, I don't know enough about the facts, but I I am familiar with cases where people have tried to sue prosecutors uh, over their decision to prosecute. You know, in other words, you should not have prosecuted me or it was a vindictive prosecution. And and the same thing could, you know, look at it the flip side and say, you you know, you, you should have prosecuted and you didn't. They they have a lot of discretion, or you know should have asked for more bail, or should not have had these bail policies. They have a lot of discretion uh, on on what they ask for. So if you go into court and say, Your Honor, I'm, I'm good with a, you know a thousand dollar bail, and the, the judge could say, Well, no, I I want I think it should be ten, but uh, they can ask for a loan number. And that, so that's it, it would be hard to have a lot
1: of recourse then. I mean, I'm just – if you're the family members, yeah. the loved ones of one of these victims, and I, I realize none of, you know, filing lawsuits isn't going to bring your loved one back. But if you're looking around at the wreckage of this and trying to figure out what to do um, from a legal standpoint, what recourse do they have, if anything? What do you do?
3: Yeah, no, I, it, it's it's a – you know – Victims of crime, uh, states have funds for victims of crime, uh, but suing the, you can't sue the state for failure to stop a crime. Um, that's just, there's no liability there. So uh, I, I think that, that the tremendous tragedy that it is doesn't offer an easy legal solution um, to the families.
1: Well, that, and that that's, makes this so much harder, and not only that, but the way the media is trying to bury the whole thing, because it doesn't fit their political narrative, which makes it a hundred times worse. So, I mean, this story, I know, is on the minds of absolutely everyone tonight, especially since we've now heard that there's a sixth fatality, a child, you know, the other five victims were, were adults. So that makes this, you know, we're on pins and needles, to find out how some of the other children fare who are in the ICU right now. So... It's a horrible situation. So, uh, but the bottom line here is that uh, getting back to the issue of Kyle Rittenhouse, do you see the same procedure that with Salmon, where you have individual suits filed against each one of these networks? Do you see the same thing happening again? Because remember, Rittenhouse was characterized, you know, as not just by Biden that way, but by these networks. I mean, especially if you're you know going to go after NBC, how many
3: You know, what happens from here? Well, the thing is, there's an infinite number of defendants in cases like this, because every Hollywood person, you know, said said something nasty in the process. And, you know, all kinds of publications said something nasty in the process. And basically speaking, though, the best defendants are going to be the national defendant that, that, you know, you can sue in any state. So if if there's a, a celebrity that says something defamatory in California, you probably have to go to California to bring that suit, which is challenging, so they'll probably look for defendants such as the mainstream media um you know uh, organizations that that kind of had this narrative and I, I think you raised a good point uh by saying you know that the media is is ignoring uh, you know the, the the one tragedy and highlighting another. And uh that's just because that's what they do. You know, they're they're trying to form a narrative and they're trying to to persuade everybody uh one direction or to scare them and keep them from you know from challenging them. So you get a situation yeah. where the the media is kind of an enforcer and I think they go after people, you know, younger people like uh Nick Sandman and Kyle Rittenhouse because they can, you know, destroy these people and it's so right. devastating to watch. That it scares people off. Well, yeah, Todd. Todd. Well,
1: that's exactly right, Todd. And what we see time and again, and the media has perfected. They have weaponized this. They define you before you get a chance to define yourself. And they do this to political candidates that they don't like, presidential candidates, and anyone they don't like. They simply decide how you will be labeled, and that's that. And until people realize that they have to define themselves first before the media does it for you, um, it, this will keep happening. So, so what you're telling me essentially though is that it's a lot easier to sue a network because they do business in all 50 states, whereas the Hollywood celebrity sat there and tweeted out their rant from, from LA, uh, which makes this more difficult because, you know, so just in terms of the legal standpoint there, that, Incident only occurred within the borders of California. Is that
3: what you're saying? Right. So somebody can defame you on Twitter, and uh, but you 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 generally cannot sue them in your home state. Uh, there's just cases that say that you you almost have to go to where they are to uh, sue them. So that that is, you know, you can't so chase. There's somebody in every fifth, all 50 states. You know, it'd be hard to chase every single person. So you probably focus on the the the. The bigger defendants who had more to say.
1: So we actually then have legal precedents now in terms of people suing over something said on Twitter, where this has come up. I mean, are there you know is there case law that you can cite now or you know I I don't
3: know the name of the case, but yeah, there were there were there were some cases uh, uh, out of the situation in Charlottesville, and uh, there was some, some Twitter where they said you know it's Joe Smith in Michigan who owns the car that was involved in this, in, in, you know, hitting this person. And that was not correct. And so, uh, but they determined that they, they couldn't bring that lawsuit in, in Michigan. They had to, they had to bring it in, you know, Florida or wherever the, the false information came from. So we have
1: about 30 seconds left, but I'll just ask you one final question. If you were Kyle Rittenhouse, what
3: would you do right now? Would you go into hiding? Would you, what would you do? I would decide what I wanted to do and I would decide whether or not I wanted to go after these defamation cases or whether or not I wanted to get on with my life and I I think his his attorney uh in an interview said I recommended that he get on with his life and he may very well do that and and that's really an important you know lifetime decision for him to decide right. you know how to proceed. At 18
1: absolutely. Well, he's had to grow up very, very fast. Well, Todd McMurtry, thank you for a wonderful interview. Really appreciate the insight that you provided on all of this. Uh, Thank you so much, and uh, appreciate it. This has been the Andrea. Sure, you're welcome. Uh, This has been the Andrea K. Show with Brian Maloney filling in. Andrea will be back tomorrow night. It's been a pleasure to be with you, and Andrea looks forward to being with you tomorrow. Have a great evening.